The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. I heard this story. I'll conclude with this story from Rabbi Yisrael Meir Lau, the former chief rabbi of Israel. We spoke together at a retreat in Palm Springs a few years ago, and he told this story. It was 1973, and he was serving as a chaplain at the Ichilov Hospital in Tel Aviv, and back to the Yom Kippur War. When the war broke out, it was decided to have all the civilian patients of that hospital transferred to other hospitals, and that that facility would be designated for the exclusive treatment of soldiers wounded in battle. With many of the injuries having been sustained in tank battles, many of those soldiers had suffered terrible burns over large portions of their bodies, and many were in critical condition and excruciating pain. So Rabbi Lau described how gut-wrenching and heartbreaking it was for him to go from room to room visiting with these burned and wounded warriors. Many of them were letting out these blood-curdling screams of sheer agony. One day, as he was going from one room to the next, visiting wounded soldiers, he heard a curious sound echoing through the halls of the hospital. It was the sound of someone singing, and he was intrigued. And tracing the source of the singing voice, it brought him to a room where he found that the singer was a patient himself, a soldier whose eyes were covered in bandages as he lay there singing these songs, songs from his hometown, songs that he remembered from his youth. Looking the soldier over, he didn't see any burns on his body. So he asked the attending nurse about the man's condition, and she explained that he'd been badly injured during a battle in the Sinai. And although he didn't suffer any burns, he was hit by lots of flying shrapnel, some of which had gone into his eyes. But he has this incredible spirit about him. He's always upbeat, and he's always singing. Ever since they brought him in, he hasn't stopped singing. Maybe it's his coping, coping mechanism, but he's lifting our spirits. As Rabbi Lau clutched the soldier's hand and shared words of strength and inspiration, the soldier reciprocated in kind, saying how proud he was and how privileged he felt to have fought in defense of his beloved homeland. It wasn't entirely clear who was giving strength to whom. Looking up, Rabbi Lau noticed that the young man's parents were in the room as well. They weren't singing. They were crying. Rabbi Lau was told that the brave soldier was about to be brought in for surgery to see what could be done to save his eyes. And so the rabbi stayed with the family throughout the time of the operation, during which time he learned that they lived in a very poor, tight-knit community of hundreds of Moroccan Jews in the West Galilee. After several hours, the surgeon came out, and the expression on his face was not good. I'm sorry, he said. We were able to get the shrapnel out, but we couldn't save his eyesight. I'm afraid your son is going to be blind for the rest of his life. You can only imagine how devastated the parents were, such a sweet and joyful young man now, sightless for the rest of his days. Not wanting to raise any false hopes, the surgeon then casually mentioned that there was the surgeon in the United States who developed a certain procedure. Maybe, maybe he could do something. And he forewarned that it was a very new and highly experimental procedure, so they shouldn't put much stock into it. But nevertheless, he offered, if you'd like, I'll send the full medical report all the scans to that doctor in the United States, to which they said, of course, please do. A few weeks later, they hear back from the doctor in America, who wasn't Jewish, by the way. He told them that as far as one of the eyes were concerned, there was nothing that could be done. There would never be vision again in that eye. But in the second eye, there was a chance, a small chance, that he could restore perhaps 30% of vision in that eye. If they wanted to go ahead with it, the doctor being the mensch that he was, said, 
that he would waive all of his fees, that he was a lover of Israel, a religious lover of Israel, and he wouldn't want to charge any fee for an Israeli soldier. He would charge nothing. But he would have to figure out how to cover the cost of travel and whoever else would accompany him, plus the hospital and the operating room cost he couldn't waive because it wasn't his. He then underscored what the Israeli surgeon had said, that this was all highly experimental. After doing all the calculations, they realized that to take the good doctor up on his offer, it would still cost about $150,000. When word of this got back to the young soldiers' community in the Galil, the entire village of poverty-stricken Moroccan Jews banded together. They emptied whatever they had down to the last hard-earned shekel to get that boy on a plane to America. This is not someone else's child, they declared. Zeyeled Shalanu, this is our kid. And any possible chance of restoring any part of his vision must be pursued. Within one day, the entire $150,000 was raised from that poor community. The parents and the young soldier were flown to the United States. They met this kind, pioneering doctor. The surgery was a procedure for many, many hours. And then in the recovery room, it was time for the moment of truth. The doctor was careful to reiterate the reality of the circumstances. Remember, this was all highly uncertain. I cannot say what's going to be. We all agreed to give it a shot. At this point, let us pray. With the soldier's father standing on the right of his bed, his mother on the left, the doctor proceeded to slowly remove the bandages from his eyes. And once the bandages were removed, the soldier squinted slightly. He turned to the right and he yelled out, Abba! And he turned to the left and he cried out, Ima, can you see us, dear son? Can you see us? And he says, yes, I can see you. True to the doctor's best speculation, the young man regained 30% of his eyesight in one eye. And it wasn't long before he started singing again. And the family returned home to the joy and euphoria of a loving community. A few months later, the American doctor who performed this miraculous feat called the family in Israel. He told them that he was going to be traveling to Japan for a conference. And being that he's never been to Israel before, he thought he'd make a brief stop over in Israel and check on his, on his patient. The family was delighted. That would be great. We'd love to see you. Give us your flight information. We'll pick you up at the airport. It's the day of the doctor's arrival in Tel Aviv. He'd the plane. He walked into the terminal where he was greeted by the most incredible sight. Hundreds of Jews from the Galil were standing there in the terminal cheering for him. They were holding up signs proclaiming, Toda, thank you. God bless you for what you did for our boy. We love you, doctor. Welcome to Israel. Our home is your home. The huge reception, each inch forward, each person grasping a chance to hug this good doctor. They clapped and they sang songs and they danced, lifting the doctor up on their shoulders. Rabbi Lau shared that he was there at the celebration in the airport terminal that day. He said it was one of the most moving scenes, one of the most incredible outpouring of love and gratitude that he had ever witnessed. As for the doctor, he was a bit overwhelmed, if not slightly embarrassed, as tears came to his eyes. After completing this story at this retreat with Rabbi Lau, he proceeded to bring out his point. All of this euphoria, for what? The restoration of 30% vision 
to one eye. Every morning, you and I wake up to 100% vision in both eyes. How euphoric, how grateful ought we be to the one who restored it for us overnight. How grateful ought we be for the blessings in our lives. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.